Hey guys, welcome back to the Pop Culture Quorum Day O podcast. I'm one of your regular hosts, Jeff Wright, and I'm here with Jared Moore. Before we get started on this one, we want to say a special welcome to those of you who found out about our podcast through Podbean, featuring it in the app. So thanks for coming in and checking out the podcast. All of those of you who did so, welcome into the uh, to the club here. And I also want to say hi to Kevin Mollahan. He's a friend of the show and regular listener, and I got to watch the movie we're reviewing this week with him. Uh, that was a fun experience. I'll throw up a selfie I took of us watching the movie on our social media. Uh, otherwise, though, like I said, I'm here with Jared Moore, and we're going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp this week. Uh, Jared, bud, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I, I'm just, I'm curious. Do you, do you look, do like duck face in this selfie? Like you stick your lips out? No, I don't do duck face. <laughs> My particular, my particular move is called blue steel. <laughs> I'm just curious. I dude, I the I don't take selfies. So when you said that, I just thought of I thought of teenage girls. <laughs> I'm a uh, sorry, man. I'm glad you got to Kevin. I that. love you, but <laughs> taking selfies is hilarious yeah. to me. Yeah, my selfie go-to is not duck face, it's fat face. <laughs> I do the fat face look. I got to see that picture. I hope you put it up. I will put it up, and I may put up some I've taken of you over the years. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Why do you say stuff like that? <laughs> Just to hear your sweet, sweet laugh, my friend, buoys my soul above the dark waters of this broken world. Oh, how do you crack me up every episode, man? I mean, just, you're not even meaning to. (laughs) Anyway, I love you, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. (laughs) Jared, did you like this movie? I did, man. I really enjoyed it. I took my, so I looked it up before I went to see what was rated, you know, for for what reasons. I ended up taking my two oldest, well, actually three. um, So five-year-old, 10-year-old, nine-year-old, and they really liked it. And it was, it was clean enough for them, I thought. Okay. Well, I'm glad y'all had a great experience and uh, that that was your conclusion. But I I do want to ask you a little bit more on clean enough here in just a second. So I guess that's as good a jumping in point as any. I'm going to throw you this summary that I pulled off of IMDb and modified just a little bit. Tell me what I got wrong. Sure. Uh, Scott Lang is trying to balance being a superhero and a father while Hope Van Dyne and her father, Dr. Hank Pym, uh, pursue an urgent mission to rescue her mother from the quantum realm, causing their path to cross at the same time that they uh, encounter a arms dealer looking to get rich off the Pims and a mysterious new villain named the Ghost. That's good. Okay, thanks, man. That's the validation I live for. Uh, conscience warning would be the next thing. So, uh, guys, we, we want to give you a heads up about things that might bother your conscience as a Christian going in to watch this movie. But at this point, we really can't avoid giving away plot details. And so, spoiler warning, uh, from here on out, if you hadn't watched this movie yet and think, hey, I'll go check it out before I listen to the rest of the episode, this is your point to press pause. Otherwise, if you keep listening, we assume you're cool with having the, the plot spoiled. And uh, that's how we're going to move forward from here. So, again, spoiler warning. 
and you've been warned, so we're pressing on. Um, I thought this movie had a surprising amount of foul language in it. Really? Yeah. I, I got on Plugged In, and I mean, I think we should have a moment of prayer for the people on Plugged In who like watch movies and, you know, make those like hash marks for every cuss word and whatnot. That has to be such a soul grinding task. But what they came up with is that God's name is misused about 12 times. Uh, Jesus's name is abused twice. They, this is a quote, we hear two fully voiced S words and two uses that are unfinished. We also hear a dozen or so uses of the D word, at least seven uses of the H word, three uses of the A word, and one son of a B word. And so... Dude, uh, I did not catch them at all. Yeah, I I was kind of rocked by it. I mean, this is this is my uh, five-year-old's favorite superhero. Ant-Man was kind of the first one I let him watch, and it's kind of been his thing. I, I guess when I say favorite, I mean, Black Panther's up there, too. He loves some Black Panther, but Ant-Man has a special place in his heart. He will tell... He, like he told me today at the theater, this was the first one I ever saw. I don't know, maybe I was more sim- uh, sensitive to it because of that, but I, I just, I kind of felt like I got a little sting, speaking of wasp, I got a little sting every time I heard a cuss word or a foul language, whatever you non-rednecks out there uh, call foul language. Um, I just thought it was overused, and it, and it took me out of the movie. I just thought, like, why do we need that? If you'd asked me beforehand, man, I thought I thought that it was just a couple cuss words. Um, I didn't realize there was that many. Oh, uh, you're getting desensitized, man. You're the, you're the, uh, the, what's that, what's it called when there's something that people warn you to stay away from? You're the cautionary tale of a conscience being hardened to foul language, man. Mm, that might be true. Happened to the best of us. Um, so the rest of Plugged In, there's, and this I did pick up on as well. There's several moments of innuendo that kids won't catch, but that adults will. So there's this allusion to Scott misunderstanding what quantum entangled, uh, excuse me, quantum entanglement entails. And so he, uh, he takes it as some kind of sexual reference. Of course, the trailer had the can y'all stop comparing size comment from Hope. Uh, and there's there's one more about Scott and Hope, like how they used to fight crime together and did other things together. <laughs> I guess in some ways that didn't bother me as much as the foul language because it went over my kids' heads in a way that these words that they never hear or if they you know hear them on TV or something, they kind of stand out because they're rare and they you know they it kind of grabs their attention. I almost think in this case, the foul language was worse than the innuendo. Yeah, I, the makeout scene, um, it, it's in that when they fought crime together, you know, that brief scene. It looks like they're when animals attack. Like, yeah, when uh, Luis is retelling like mm-hmm. where Scott's at. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're right. That was pretty aggressive. But I mean, well, I don't know if there was a makeout scene, but they kissed pretty no, no, crazy. It was, it was definitely a makeout scene. <laughs> I, mean, that, I was like, oh no. <laughs> that was the one thing I remember that like uh oh yeah but but they I mean it was like what three seconds or something yeah uh, just last couple of details. Scott's in the bathtub uh, from the waist up. We see him shirtless a couple of times. He's in boxers. Um, and then plugged in said some female characters reveal a bit of cleavage. I missed that last part. I didn't really see anything that was objectionable in terms of dress, but plugged in caught it. So that's, I think plugged in did a really good job of capturing everything in this movie that might, um, yeah, might provoke a Christian conscience. Anything you want to add to that? No, man, I evidently missed all of it. 
All right. Well, before we get into the you know the process we do on the regular here in the PC CD pod, there's several things about this movie that I just wanted to talk about outside of worldview analysis and um, you know making use of the movie as a Christian. Uh, you said you really liked this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I did too. I had a I had a really good time watching this movie. Probably the best time I've had. Just in some ways, you know, kind of turning off the analytical part of my brain and hopping on a roller coaster since Solo. Yeah, um, and it, it made me realize that um, as someone who is a fan of Infinity War and the big like cosmic buildup uh, that's happened in the Marvel Universe to get us to Infinity War, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the standalone, small scale, uh, not cosmic Marvel movies. It, it was just a really nice contrast coming out of Infinity War to come into this movie where the stakes aren't nearly as big. I, you know, that, that sounds mm-hmm. like a recipe for me to not care as much about the movie, but I think I enjoyed it more because of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, man. I mean, just just good guys find bad guys, you know. I yeah. mean, and yeah. humor humor thrown in, you know. Yes. Well, specifically on that point, you know how they tell you to never meet your heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Rudd is not a hero of mine, but I was thinking in this movie, if I ever ran into Paul Rudd and he was like arrogant or self centered or a jerk, I think I would be absolutely crushed. I, I have really believed the character he portrays on TV to really be who he is. And I think if I ever found out otherwise, it would do dis, you know disproportionate damage to my sense of the wellness of the of the cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems like he'd be a goofball to hang around. Oh, I'm totally convinced he would be just the perfect hang uh, if he could get some time with him. And I, and again, I'm this is probably entirely naive, but I, I've drank the Kool Aid. Uh, speaking of people I love, man, did did uh, did you rejoice to see Walton Goggins in this thing? I, so, listener, if you're not familiar with that name, uh, Walton made his you know initial sort of name for himself in The Shield, but Jared and I fell in love with him through a, a TV show called Justified, which uh, yeah, we're, we're big fans of. Uh, it, it seemed to me in this movie, uh, The Wasp and Ant-Man, that he is playing Boyd Crowder's city mouse cousin. Like he's a southern arms dealer who's into shady stuff, but he's more sophisticated, but he's still talking like Boyd Crowder. Do you track with what I'm saying there? Yeah. I, the only thing that was missing was a uh, Timothy Oliphant cameo and I would have I would have totally fanboyed out. <laughs> oh man. I don't know that we've talked about it much outside of the podcast and I know we haven't talked about it on, but were you a fan of Lost? I was until it build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, and then this dive off a cliff let down. <laughs> hey am I, I am I now? No. <laughs> I, we so we've never talked about this. We may be about to alienate, you know, a ton of our listeners, but that was exactly my experience with Lost. I so enjoyed the run up to the last season mm-hmm. because I I mistakenly believe they knew what they were doing. And then, uh, you know, that last season kind of undid all of my enjoyment of the previous seasons. Mm-hmm. But it was really good to see Evangeline Lilly again. She has been super choosy since she left that show. And, and good for her. She obviously could afford to be. You know, you catch that mm-hmm. Hobbit franchise and I don't know, she did uh, horror comedy on Netflix. She's she's at a place in her career where she gets to do what she wants to do. But I just realized like, yeah, it's good to have her back in my life again. And I hope that, I don't know, I just hope that they use her more and more. She's been pushing in the real world. She's been pushing really hard for Marvel to do more standalone uh, female superhero stuff. Mm. And I would sign up to watch one with her right away. I thought she was super cool in this movie. And of course, she's probably not doing her own stunts, but just what they did with her char- 
character like mm-hmm. you know that scene where she attacks that uh, car full of guys who are shooting up the city and she like jumps in and kicks in the window but then shrinks down and punches one of them and mm-hmm. she's big again and guy takes a swing and punches his buddy when she shrinks again I just thought man this is awesome I, I could watch this stuff all day long mm-hmm. I thought I thought the ghost character too was really well done especially at first yeah we need to talk about her do you um do you see her as a, on a redemptive arc Maybe. Do you maybe. think she comes out of this movie as a supervillain or a superhero? I don't know. It was definitely redeeming, but I, it was. It kind of made me uncomfortable. Well, they, um, they set you up to be sympathetic to her, right? You get that heartbreaking origin story. Yes. She's clearly um, looking at Bill Foster as a as a replacement dad. And he's caring for her. But, you know, then she's like, I'll just go c- kidnap Scott Lane's kid. And, and Foster mm-hmm. has to intervene. And she's, she's She seems like a sociopath to me. Yeah, she's clearly what? a villain in the, in the like, I'll kill Janet Van Dyne mm-hmm. if, it, if it heals me. But by yeah. the end of the movie, they're taking care of her and like Foster's going to mentor her and stay with her or whatever. I, I, again, I guess it is a redemptive arc now that we're talking about it out loud, but it uh, I don't know if it was poorly done or if they just wanted to leave it ambiguous to some degree, maybe like sort of so in your mind that maybe she flips back to the dark side. But I don't know. It just left me unsatisfied. Well, it, when, they, when we first meet her as a person, like when she's got them all locked up or tied up and she's standing there talking with them, she's like smiling and laughing and... Like, it was just, she was just a weird villain. Um, yeah, that actress, she's British, and I can't remember what, you know, her claim to fame is, but she does have a strange kind of charisma where it's almost like a, that specific scene you're talking about, she's almost like a snake swaying back and forth. You know, you, you mm-hmm. know she's dangerous, but you can't really take your eyes off of her because it's compelling in some way, some dark way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. And then, like you're talking about, ready, ready to kill whoever selfishly, and um but then but she, she's like telling Foster to escape and well, and the whole time she's motivated to get rid of her own physical pain. Like, it, you know, they obviously want you to sympathize with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to see more from her or not, but I'm I'm going to be curious what they do with her, because I'm assuming she'll be she'll she'll be a regular who shows up in the future in some ways. So. Mm. Uh, last thing you and I talked about it off air out of everything we've seen so far in the Marvel Universe, right? The, the Norse Thunder God comes to Earth and when he swings his hammer at Captain America, Captain America's super science shield uh, deflects the blow from this mystical hammer. And there's a talking raccoon and a talking tree. And later on, Thor opens up a gate to a star and just Mm -hmm. all the craziness that's built into the superhero genre. This quantum stuff in this movie is the junkiest of junk science (laughs) we've seen so far. Yeah, I agree, man. It is is Looney Tunes. (laughs) I really think they should have just led with a, uh, uh, you know, like a black, card with white text that said, just go with it. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a quantum link to Janet that Scott has that somehow allows her to possess him. There's healing quantum energy. Uh, you know, there's that scene in Bill Foster's office where they're all sitting around kind of figuring out what they can do to, I don't know, you know, make their widgets go find Janet. And Scott says something like, do you guys just stick quantum in front of regular words? Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel like that's the people making the movie being like, yeah, guys, we get it. We get it. It's a MacGuffin. It's cool. Just you're watching a movie about a guy who can grow and shrink and talk to ants. Let's not quibble about this. <laughs> yeah, that's probably kind of like an Easter egg or yeah. I do think in some ways this movie is Marvel's more family friendly Deadpool. It, it doesn't quite break the fourth wall or 
explicitly you know address the the viewer the way that Deadpool was famous for. Mm-hmm. But this movie is very much aware of its own quirks and oddities and just the strangeness of the superhero genre. Anyway, mm-hmm. Scott Lang is pretty close to just being a comic book fan who gets to be a superhero and fight with Captain America. Yeah. So for for those of you who are like Deadpool's a bridge too far, I can't watch that. I actually think Ant Man is going to scratch some of those same itches for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that covers all the things I have under film notes. Uh, you want to get into this worldview analysis? Yeah, man. All right, guys. So what we're going to do is compare the story of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp against the actual story God's telling about his son, Jesus, and the cosmos. And he tells his story in four acts. Uh, I know you Shakespeare fans are not going to like that, but four acts in God's story. There's creation, where he makes everything good. There's fall, where uh, the world in rebellion comes under the curse and God's judgment. There's redemption, where God takes it upon his shoulders to fix what has gone wrong. And there's glorification. It's the new world that's created through God undoing the curse of the fall. So with that in mind, we're going to look at what this movie says is good about the world, what is wrong with the world, uh, how the world can be fixed, and what the better world will be like, again, within the confines of the world of Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so we'll start with creation. And Jared, I think most weeks I give my read on the creation aspect of this movie first. You you want to take a turn and go first this time? Sure, man. Yeah, create, creation is, is supposed to be a world like our world, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, is supposed to be reality and so it's a dangerous it's a dangerous world there's good and evil but it's kind of what you expect from superhero movies there's this yin yang mentality um, kind of good and evil or opposing forces and there's usually a, a battle for um, something that can destroy mankind and um, so I mean it's just it's and you got to keep it from the bad guys and so there's a lot of good guys find bad guys in this movie and so it's supposed to be like today I mean like whenever I was a kid I always I loved these movies like this love superhero movies. I still do love superhero movies um, but it's because the good guy usually wins yeah that's absolutely right I mean I think your description there says in some ways there's a formula to these movies. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just hope people watching this movie don't feel it's formulaic though because this movie again as I've already mentioned it's supposed to be like riding a thrill ride and I think it delivers on that and so mm-hmm. if you know if you can say yeah there's a formula and still enjoy the movie that's where I hope your head's at and if not just throw away the idea that this is playing paint by numbers. It, it's just a fun movie to experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to kind of zoom in in, in you know in this, on the subject of what is good about this movie mm-hmm. or what is good within the world of this movie more specifically. I think this movie is very, very, very Mm -hmm. pro-family. Scott's relationship with his daughter is his highest priority. Now, he does some things trying to take care of people and help people that puts that relationship in jeopardy, specifically legal jeopardy. But nonetheless, he repeatedly comes back to, how do I have a relationship with my daughter? What do I do to put my daughter in the best position? You know, there's that scene in the bedroom where his daughter's kind of consoling him. And he says... I don't know how to help hope without hurting you. So I'm not going to go help hope. And the daughter mm-hmm. kind of talks him out of it. But you've also got hope and Hank Pym working through every adversity to try to rescue Janet. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already mentioned you have Bill Foster there standing in for the dead parents of the, the ghost. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about this kind of broadly about the Marvel universe. And I think Marvel is going to keep mining this material until it comes to be known as the daddy issues universe. And you think about like Black Panther, um, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, 
Rock, the second Guardians of the Galaxy. They're all mm-hmm. about issues with dads, right? Yeah. And that's very much what's going on with Hope, but also with Scott. Like Scott's aspiring to impress Hank Pym and uh, earn his respect. And he's real quick to tell Hank how much he cares for him. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. clearly focused in on specific, you know, the dad relationship. Yeah. But guess what? I'm good with it. <laughs> Prioritizing families, uh, the impact of a father, that's fertile ground for stories. We've been telling it for centuries. Cool, Marvel. Keep going with it. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, you make a good point, dude, because even the, uh, his ex-wife, Scott's ex-wife and her um, new husband, I guess, uh, they're, they're, I don't know. I don't know if anybody on earth has that kind of relationship with their ex-wife um, yeah. and, and, and the new and husband. And her new husband. Exactly. Yeah. He's like hugging them all the time. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for that guy. He's he's the epitome of a, of a that guy actor. You know, you never know his name, but you're like, oh, that guy's in this. <laughs> yeah. He's really good. But all he does in this sequel is just show up and hug people. <laughs> Like, That's exactly right. We're rooting for you, buddy. Uh, I mean, I keep keep getting in paychecks, man. Uh, stay working, but I don't know. I just feel like he's squandered a little bit. Yeah. Uh, following this here, uh, what's evil in the world of Ant Man and the Wasp is that the world uh, manages to mess up even the best of intentions and the best plans. So Hank and Janet leave Hope as a child, not knowing that Janet won't come back. Scott went to help Captain America. Ended up locked down on house arrest, alienated from. You know, the the girl that appeared to be the love of his life and, and a mentor figure that he very much wanted to have in his life. He goes to help Hank and Hope save Janet, but he's got to get back home, when, you know, so that the feds don't catch him out and revoke his probation. And you've got the ghost dad, uh, the ghost's dad, not the ghost dad, the ghost's dad wanting to rebuild his career, but he ends up orphaning his daughter in the, in the process. Mm. So, yeah, I think, you know, if you're looking for like something that is truly deeply evil in this movie, the closest thing you're going to come to is Walton Goggins as the arms dealer who's trying to monetize the the PIMS technology, but he's very mm-hmm. much secondary. Uh, normally, I hate that stuff. I'm, I'm with G.K. Chesterton who said, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, he said it's a truly evil story that doesn't have a truly evil character, but... Um, it was him or Lewis, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, some people I know at, at Aquinas College in Nashville would tell you that everything good you like about Lewis is found in Chesterton, and that's mm-hmm. a provocative statement. I'm not quite ready to go there, but they would say that. Um, anyway, that's that's an excursus. Um, I, I normally really want someone to to be the personification of evil, but I see this movie as almost a uh, a buddy comedy, sort of like a buddy cop comedy. And I'm I'm happy to have the stakes a little bit lower. I'm happy to have not Thanos and not even the Red Skull, just you know a mobbed up jerk and uh, a woman who's got incredible powers but lashing out at a world because of her physical and emotional pain. That it was okay for me. What else has fallen in this movie, Jared? Um, I think. I mean, this might be odd, but Michael Douglas's past self. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, he's kind of evidently has a. I mean, he's this is he's presented as the reason for. I mean, he's the reason why his wife is lost. He's the reason why the ghost exists. It's the reason why I don't know. It, it's almost like he's put everybody in the, this position. Um, 
I don't know. I thought it was uh, he was not presented well, but it maybe it's redeeming for him though too. I mean, he basically fixes everything, right? At least in, indirectly by getting his wife back and her healing ghost. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that's reasonable. Uh, that's very much in line with the the comic <clears throat> presentation of Hank Pym, at least as far as I knew it when I was reading more regularly. He is seen as this, uh, you know, really hard to work with, hot headed, arrogant creator. You know, he's like below Tony Stark and Reed mm-hmm. Richards in terms of creativity, but still far beyond anything we've ever seen in the real world. I think too in the in the comic books, he is uh, he's known publicly known as a as a wife abuser. I think he hits Janet at least in one prolonged period of their marriage. Oh wow, yeah. So it could be darker. Uh, yeah, a lot darker. Yeah. I mean, he's he's presented as you know blubbering, but I don't know. It, it's also kind of odd that he's never. I mean, if he thought in the back of his head that she might be there, or if he even considered the possibility. What did she eat while she was down there? <laughs> quantum food. <laughs> quantum Doritos and quantum cheese dip and quantum Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that is so funny. It's funny. It's funny. Is it Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. Yeah, she came, out, bon- <laughs> she came out. Uh, she came out. Uh, I guess they got makeup down there. <laughs> quantum makeup. <laughs> she got a quantum lip job sometime down there, man. <laughs> that's where that's crystal clear when she smiles. I guess she ate those little bear things that were floating around. Tardigrades, man. Yeah. What are they called? Tardigrades. That's the hardiest form of life that exists on planet Earth, at least as far as I know of. What does that mean? What do you mean hardiest? Tardigrade. Tardigrade. Go look it up, man. It's a fascinating Wikipedia read. I don't even know what you're talking you're speaking gibberish all right i'll email it to you i'll email it to you <laughs> there is a killer uh the cat in the hat knows all about that episode on pbs about tardigrades you got to go look that up <laughs> okay i will I, they look like little bears i think they're called like water bears or something okay you're like you you know the actual scientific name it's because the cat in the hat knew it <laughs> Dude, you're making yourself sound so smart, like about some obscure subject. I don't know. For us, you know, why would you know that, preacher Jeff? Because <laughs> preachers and uh, and the natural world, that's just oil and water, man. <laughs> preachers never look at anything the scientific. World. They would. I would probably be defrocked if somebody caught me like reading a science textbook, right? <laughs> Just, I mean, how many preachers do you know that are like, uh, read science on the side? Like, uh, Jonathan Edwards, and since he does, I see Jonathan like the rest of Edwards. us do. I mean, we're all basically Jonathan Edwards, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish, man. You're taking the greatest mind America's ever produced and saying we're all him. That's great. Yeah, just by virtue of being preachers. Uh, yeah, dude, I've got man. young kids. We watch PBS, and the cat in the hat knows a lot about that. So anyway, <laughs> I'm taking this off the rabbit trail. I'll email you awesome. about tardigrades. Okay. Um, <laughs> How's this world of Ant-Man and the Wasp going to be redeemed? I think fall is the breaking up of families, and then the redemption is the bringing families back together. Yeah, that that's very reasonable. I'm going to go slightly different, but it's through the the mechanism of family. It's um, redemption's found, I think, in choosing to help people who are in need, mm. and that is spoken by Scott's daughter. She's the voice of wisdom that kind of calls him to that task and to mm. stay in the struggle. Um, but it also seems like it requires just 
spending your time sprinting uh, around trying to keep all the plates spinning. You know what I mean? My daughter mm-hmm. needs me, so rush to her. Hope needs me, rush to her. I've got to be back before the feds, check my bracelet, so rush to that. It, you know, just mm-hmm. all over the place. It, <laughs> it, it's silly for me to say this about a superhero movie, but it, it's kind of unrealistic about what a human being can do. And, and again, I'm saying that about a movie where a guy grows up and like picks up a ship or whatever. So mm-hmm. take that with a grain of salt. Uh, glorification, the better world shows up in this movie briefly when important relationships are taken care of and good people do what's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Yeah, good call. But after the credits, it changes, right? Oh, man. So my thing is, if I know I'm going to watch a movie, I try not to watch the trailer. I don't read anything about the movie till I go watch it. And I had seen the trailer for this movie. It was just hard to escape because of so many summer movies. Mm-hmm. But I had avoided everything about the mid-credit and in-credit scenes. And man, that was such a gut punch, uh, watching that mid-credit scene. Just for real, like rattled my cage. And my son, so I took my youngest son and my oldest daughter to watch this. My youngest son had seen Infinity War. My oldest daughter has not. And I looked over at him as those ashes are falling to the ground. And uh, he just looked like somebody had slapped him. <laughs> and, you know, I hit it better. I'm, you know, 30-something years older than him, so I've got more practice. But I felt the same way, dude. When when he says, beam me up, and nobody's there, and you, gosh, just watching those ashes drift to the ground is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, too. Like, this whole movie has been about getting... You know, getting uh, Pim's wife back and they get her back. And then, oh, man, they know Skitzer. Well, hey, credit again to Kevin Feig and the people at Marvel. I think comic books get lost a lot of the time in the push for a big summer crossover event mm-hmm. like the Infinity Gauntlet saga, but it hasn't really happened with the movies. You know, working towards Infinity War has added more than it's taken away from the storytelling of the individual films, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But they did a great job there at the very end of just making you feel the real world consequences of what Thanos did a million light years away. You know what I mean? Not that mm-hmm. not that anything like someone being trapped in a quantum realm could happen in real life if if half the you know universe's population died. But that these relationships that people have fought hard for and spent years pining after and you know you get this sense of hey we finally arrived uh, at a at a good place and to have it taken away. And when you look at it that way, it is, uh, it, it's just so very much consistent with the real world. Um, just actually this weekend, I was going to Nashville with a guy who, uh, he works in, um, neurology and he was talking about a retirement community near you called Fairfield Glade. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that it, it just seems to him because of his field that this retirement community is full of people who, you know, worked and worked and worked, amassed enough money money to retire. They make it to this idyllic retirement community. And that's when the debilitating stroke hits. And, Hmm. you know, of course, he's biased by just that's who comes through, you know, his his office in the sense of like, it's his work to to care for people who've suffered neurologically. But Mm -hmm. um, nonetheless, that narrative, if you strip away the details of like the guy's in an ant suit and he's in the quantum realm, we live in a world where that stuff happens. You fight really hard to get to a good place. And because it's a fallen world, it's just taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that you can't see coming. So. Mm. All right. So, guys, what we've done there, and we've spent a lot of time doing this, 
we're we're trying to chop the story up and pull out the constituent elements and see where this movie is telling us the truth and where this movie is telling us lies. By again, by comparing it to to God's own story. Now we want to put that stuff together and see how it's useful to a Christian one in delighting in Jesus and and loving the truth that is in Jesus. Uh, useful to a Christian in encouraging a brother and sister, maybe someone who's discipling you or you're discipling them, and you're saying we both love movies. Here's some themes for you to think on that show you the glory of the Lord, or these are some dangers to stay away from. And then lastly, also to serve our our neighbors. So people who love these movies don't care anything at all about Jesus Christ. How, how do we meet them on common territory and say, hey, we love the same stories. Here's why I love it as a Christian. And I think it explains why you love it too, even if that doesn't make much sense when I first say it. So Jared, let's put this stuff back together. The first question we ask is, what is the story? We work really hard to get that right. And I think we've done that in our worldview analysis. Next question is, where am I? We want to behold the style and shape of this imaginary world. So where are you at as a viewer in this movie? I'm, well, I assume uh, Scott, right? I mean, the the normal, I mean, that's what kind of what I love about Ant-Man is it seems like a normal guy. Like, I mean, all these other guys are ripped. I mean, he he's muscular too, but out of all the comic book characters, you know, perhaps I could be like Ant-Man. You know, I got to learn to fight or whatever, but, you know, he, he basically gets small and runs and does things, you know, while he's little and um, gets real big and I mean, I don't know. I, it's kind of like watching, as far as Olympic events, watching curling and seeing the dude doing it and thinking, "Hey, maybe I could, maybe I could go do that." Cause he, because he's built like I am. <laughs> oh, dude, whatever. Look, I mean, I don't want to belabor this point too long, but I saw Scott at the start of the movie. You know, Paul Rudd pulls his shirt off because everybody's got to have their shirt off in a superhero movie. You could count every major muscle on his, you know, torso. Yeah, uh, you can't do that with me, dude. Are, are you claiming that you're <laughs> built that way? Are you Ooh. on the record here? Okay. No, I just mean a normal dude. Normal dude. Who's normal guy. It's not yeah, like Batman. Shredded to pieces. He's not shredded. Dude, go look at... Well, I mean, don't, but yeah. If you've seen this movie, he's shredded to pieces. I, I, don't, I don't. Well, maybe anyway, you don't think so since, since since you are too, but for the I'm rest not. of us out here. I'm not. Um, but, but anyway, so normal guys that can... I don't know. I feel like I we could get a suit and do some of what he's doing, right? Or like Iron Man getting in a Iron Man suit. Yeah, dude. Make that happen, Elon Musk. Yeah, for real. We wouldn't be able to afford it though. Um, but so I also thought the fight scenes were excellent. I mean, like you were talking about the wasp and I mean, when you're when you're first hearing the concept of Ant Man and the Wasp, you're wondering like, what can they do with this? Like how? But when you see it on the screen and and constant shrinking, constant getting big, shrinking these vehicles, buildings. I mean, it's really cool. You know, it is so fun. I mean, I know I keep saying that, and it's a broken record. But the action in this, like, you know, I guess there was probably shaky cam, but I came away from this movie feeling like they did really great choreography, mm-hmm. and every one of those pieces you're talking about there were just so fun when you know when he shrinks the building and pulls up the carry handle and just rolls it out that is so funny yeah uh yeah so kudos to them man they really make this a world that's fun to to drop in and visit i mean yeah i mean even in my imagination while you're sitting there watching you're thinking man that would be so cool if i could do that you know absolutely like if you, like if you could take a vehicle and shrink it and i mean it was or i mean it's far-fetched and goofy like racing these little cars with these big cars that would squash them in a heartbeat. But I don't know. It was really, it was, it was really well done. I thought the story was excellent. I mean, barring the 
you know, you got to use your imagination on that. It's not obviously not. This isn't something that they're ever going to, you know, potentially do, you know. Um, but uh, well, when you say they're not going to potentially do, you're saying that we'll never potentially see an Ant-Man style person running around in the real world. Right. I mean, just shrinking and, and making things bigger, smaller. Sure. I okay. just quantum yeah. realm, all that. Yeah. OK, it, fair enough. Is, I just want to make sure I understood what you're saying there. Yeah. 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 So I don't I don't see that ever happening. But I mean, some of this other stuff in these other movies, you, you know, and you wonder if some of those things could actually happen. Some of the stuff. But, but anyway, yeah, I I thought it was uh, I thought everything was done very well. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely watch this movie again because of, you know, because even even the humor, I mean, you know, humor was witty. It wasn't annoying. It was it's self-deprecating. I mean, it was, you know, he, he makes fun yeah. of himself and stuff. I really like that, too. Yeah, it was good. And even his little sidekicks at his business were who who was the who was the rapper? Was uh, is it T.I.? Was it T.I.? I think so. I could be wrong, but I think it's T.I. They were all funny, man. I mean, I didn't know the tall fella. Yeah, uh, his bit in the movie about Baba Yaga was so like goofy and low-hanging <laughs> fruit, but I laughed every time <laughs> went back to him. He's like, Baba Yaga. That cracked me up. <laughs> uh, what's good, true, and awesome here? Where do we see common grace in this movie? Like you were talking about, dude, the family, value of family. Um, the importance of family, but not only that, but these these being willing to sacrifice themselves for one another. Um, Scott's friends and Scott uh, being willing to sacrifice for uh, the wasp. And I mean, you know, even um, even Pim being willing to sacrifice for his wife. And uh, I mean, they I mean, all that and even even their presentation of uh, ghost as what she's doing is wrong. And Foster basically saying what we all are thinking. Right. Um, I thought all that was good. Examples of common him, grace. When he tells her, if you go after Scott's daughter. Yeah. I'm going to stop helping you. Absolutely. Him rebuking her and yeah, yeah, all that. I mean, that was, so they, so the common grace, I mean, when, when, so it's all, it's what is good. And it's also when they call evil, evil, you know, and um, there, there's a, it was good on both fronts on that. Yeah. Well, if I, if you'll allow me just a minute on this, um, I got exhausted by the trailers attached to this movie. There's a movie that we're getting more and more of that I'm already burned out on and I've not watched maybe one of them. Um, and it's the it's the movie that is the dark side of the fairy tale that you and your children love. So like, I, I think the first time I ran into this was actually the stage play Wicked, which I've told everybody, I love that uh, play. I listen to that soundtrack awesome. Uh, what? I listen to that soundtrack often, but um, it, it tells you that basically the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz wasn't all that wicked. And it turns out she's basically the good guy of the story and it's this subversive postmodern deconstruction of the Wizard of Oz. Well it seems like that ball is rolling downhill. And so now we've got you got the stuff that like Burton and Depp did with Alice in Wonderland, which was plenty dark in and of itself, uh, as originally constituted. And now you've got this movie coming out on the Nutcracker, which is like the dark underbelly of the Nutcracker. And we already had Snow White and the Huntsman, which is the dark underbelly of the Snow White tale. I, I'm just I'm over those already, mm-hmm. having having watched hardly any of them. Again, it's just it's the most simplistic postmodern deconstruction. There's no true good. Everything is seedy. It's just the most naive, uh, simplistic, unthoughtful narrative.
imperative in our culture right now, at least in my eyes. Hmm. And so I don't want to spend a ton of time praising Ant-Man for saying like, oh, yeah, it thinks families are a good thing and dad should take care of daughters and, and children should love their parents and try to provide for them. That's that's not virtuous enough for two guys who are talking about movies in light of the glory of God to be like, oh, these are wonderful films you should go consume because they've got these high moral virtues in them. But I think the contrast of seeing the trailer for the dark underbelly of the Nutcracker set against a movie that, again, was really fun and just said things that are consistent with basic sanity in an insane world. Dads should love their daughters and work really hard to be able to have a relationship with them. And children should really care about their parents and honor them and work hard to help them. And uh, just, yeah, it was just refreshing. And so maybe it's because of the context, but this movie, otherwise, I think I would I would say like, eh, it rises to like a basic morality. It just felt brighter and cleaner, uh, you know, again, watching it after seeing those trailers. Mm. So I'm going to climb off my soapbox. I'm just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm burned out on that stuff. Uh, you know, it's just as true that dads tuck daughters into bed at night after reading them a story and hand them a floppy bunny as it is that, you know, druggies die in a in a gutter at night. But we pretend like realism can only be found in the gritty and the grim. And I, I just don't have much bandwidth for that stuff. Mm. So anyway, what's distorted, evil, and false here, Jared? How can we subvert idolatry? Um, I found it harder to kind of nail it what it's what the idol is in this movie. I mean, if anything, as much as we're praising family, um, I mean, that would be it, wouldn't it? Yeah, that um, we didn't talk about this off air, but that's where I went with my analysis too. This is a strictly under the sun world, and I mean that in the sense of the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reference to a higher power, and I'm not talking about Thanos. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a hero who punches the bad guy and gets the girl and hugs his buddies. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. No no objections here, but it is an incomplete world. Any world that doesn't acknowledge its creator is incomplete. And that's that's true of Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's true of, you know, a secular approach to mathematics. It's true of any form of uh, human expression that doesn't acknowledge its creator. Am I saying I wanted them to go in and pray? No, I'm not. In fact, I thought it was really interesting that they have the, uh, the federal agent who's supervising Scott's probation say I'm also a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Um, yeah. But just trying to kind of think through what's what's wrong with this movie, you know, it doesn't really rise to any great truths and it also doesn't descend to any real great depths. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the good guy punches the bad guy and gets the girl, which is cool. I mean, you know, Doug Wilson has said that that's the actual narrative of the Bible, that the, uh, the you know, the, the, the prince kills the dragon and, and gets the girl. Mm-hmm. So I'll take it, man. There's just not a lot of room to criticize uh, in, in that in that version that Ant-Man and the Wasp gives us. Yeah, it's kind of like the, well, I mean, it was happily ever after until you get to the very, the end, right? Yeah, man. And it feels like the rugs pulled out from under you. Under you. So speaking well, about man. how this movie does or does not rise to big ideas, how do you see the gospel applying here? Well, dude, I would have, in light of the ending, um, perhaps that is, that is, I mean, it longs for a savior, uh, an eternal savior, and it longs for an eternal family. It longs for death to die. So it can't rob us of right. people we care about. Absolutely. And um, the only one who can provide that is Christ. The only one who has conquered death. Now, they're going to, you know, they're going to argue 
um, I assume in the next Avengers, um, Infinity War two, or what's it? Have, have they released the name of it? I think they have because I I saw a bunch of articles that were belly aching about not having the name, and then those articles mm-hmm. kind of dried up. But again, I try to avoid all those details for a movie that I know mm-hmm. I'm going to watch. So I could be wrong on that. So they're going to argue that I assume that there's these people are going to be safe from death. But the problem is they're eventually going to die, right? I mean, we're all suspect to death except for Christ. Well, he he laid down his life and has conquered death, and he's still alive today. I mean, we, you know, I mean, he's eternal. He's living forever. He's an an eternal human being. Um, He's the God-man. And so... In Christ, we have, and we have eternal redemption, eternal family. Um, I mean, basically what this movie longs for that is temporary, and actually by the end of the movie, it's gone. Um, Christ actually delivers, right, forever. Sure, sure. Praise be the Lord. Yeah, in Him, death has met its match and died. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it's just, uh, it really, it is amazing to think about um that all these, uh, I don't know what all these movies present. Basically, people have glimpses of in their families. But, I mean, you know how hard family life is, right? I mean, it's it's uh, just another day in paradise, you know, that old, that old country song. But I don't know. There, there's times when um, there, there's stress that comes with it. There's all kinds of um, financial stuff and then suffering with illness. And I mean, we just live in a, a world where we're all susceptible to the curse and only Christ can, can overturn that. And uh, so thankful that, um, well, that he is overturning that. It's just, it really is it's just a matter of time, dude, to we're with the Lord. I mean, that, that is remarkable to, to think about and to enjoy. And it's an, it's an objective reality, you know, in this movie, um, you know, from one minute to the next because of the evil that is ever present you don't know and the ending shows that you don't know when some evil person is going to take you out out of left field and you didn't even know about it but christ provides i mean so so this movie can't get christ back in the tomb or if something evil happens to me or my family christ is still ruling and reigning and i'm still going to be with him You, you know what i'm saying so these objective realities that this world can't change but when you look at these movies this world changes everything you know yeah yeah. Well, that's well said, Jared. I'm actually going to not even offer my own thoughts because I think you took us on a more profitable vein there. Um, anything else you want to say about this movie? No, man. I, we, I recommend you go see it, listener. If you haven't if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out because it, it's worth watching. Yeah. If, again, with the caveat that if you can stand the stuff we warned you about in the conscience warning section, uh, we, we want people to obey their consciences for sure. But Absolutely. Yeah, a, I mean, this is what you want out of a summer movie. And uh, it's better than whatever Michael Bay is going to put out next time. So <laughs> it's... It's yeah, it's a good use of your money uh, if you're going to go watch a movie and and don't want to you know grapple with the deep themes of the cosmos. You just want to enjoy your two hours. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Marvel and and their their uh, superhero movies, the most recent piece I put up on our blog on Pathos was a reflection on Avengers: Infinity War. I realized that we're like sixty days out from that movie's release, and I started looking around. We're about ten thousand days out from when the comic came out that the movie's based on. And so that was the lens I looked at the movie through and how things have changed. And uh, anyway, if you're interested in reading that, that's up on patheos.com forward slash blogs. <laughs> I can't speak. Forward slash blogs forward slash pop culture quorum deo. <laughs> yeah, don't go looking for bogs. Bogs are not, they're not helpful. There's no good reading there. You, you want to find blogs. Um, so anyway, uh, that's up there. If you want to, if you want to give that a gander, I, we would love to, for you to do that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't assume everyone's going to think I'm right. And I think some of the 
conversations where people say you got it wrong are the most interesting. So feel free to mm-hmm. offer that. I still want to also invite those of you listening to connect with us on Facebook. I know Facebook is not the coolest social media platform in the world right now. And a lot of people are having questions about whether or not they're going to use it and if so, how they will use it. But we have uh, a group called the Pop Culture Quorum Deo Perpetual After Party, where listeners of the show just get together and we'll we'll throw up links that we didn't really you know get around to in one of these episodes or some question we have. And I really enjoy that group and I enjoy the conversation that takes place there. And so if uh, if you're interested, drop by the Pop Culture Quorum Deo Perpetual After Party and put that in the search bar and it'll take you there. Uh, it's a group that you know we've got it set where you ask to be added to the group and. One of us will approve it really quickly, but we'd love to have you in there and and talking about these episodes and the films and whatever else grabs your fancy when you're looking at pop culture and a lot of who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, Jared, anything else we want to plug here? Where can they find you outside of the world of our podcast? Uh, Listen, you can find me on Twitter at Jared H. Moore. You can find me on Facebook at All Truth is God's Truth or in our uh, Facebook group, the Pop Culture Cormdale Perpetual After Party. And uh, you can find us online at our blog that Jeff mentioned. But yeah, check us out and um, leave us some reviews on iTunes. Yeah, that is such a, a helpful gift to us. Guys, if, you, if you're if you willing, next time you're at a computer, sit down, pull up iTunes and leave us a review. We we covet five-star reviews, but the, um, you know, the one that you can offer in honesty and integrity, we'll take that. And it does a couple of good things for us. It lets iTunes know that there are people listening to the show and then maybe they should include some other people in uh, it also says back to us, hey, we like this about your show. We don't like that about your show and helps us kind of tailor it in a way that's most profitable. Our, our hope is that we'll be profitable to the church and the kingdom of Jesus Christ through this podcast in some small way. So those reviews help us do that. And we thank you in advance for any of them you would offer. Jared, do you know what we're going to watch next yet? I have no idea, man. What's coming out? I don't know. I, I haven't looked. So I guess we need to just put a pin there and tell you, listener, we will we'll announce on social media and in that Facebook group. I talked about what we're watching next. If you got any suggestions, throw them our way. Uh, we'd love to hear that. And we'll, yeah, we'll get back to you and let you know what's coming up next week on the podcast. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening to this episode. And we will talk to you next time on the Pop Culture Quorum Dale podcast. Mm-hmm.